Well, I want you to take your Bibles tonight, please, and I want you to give, I want to give you a message that the Lord laid on my heart a number of weeks ago, and I've just never had uh, the liberty to preach it until tonight, and so 2 Timothy chapter number 4 in your Bibles, and why don't we give you one last opportunity to stretch your legs, and if you're able to stand, let's stand tonight, and we're going to read the first 13 verses, 2 Timothy chapter number 4. And verse number one, I'll read and you follow along and, um, and I hope the Lord will speak to your heart tonight. And we'll try to keep this uh, abbreviated tonight the best we can. Second Timothy chapter four, verse one, Paul the apostle says to this younger man in the faith, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they eat to themselves teachers, having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. And do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. And I want you to really pay attention, church, the next few verses. Paul says to Timothy, For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica, Crescens to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. And Tychicus have I sent to Ephesus. The cloak that I left at Troas with Carpus, when thou comest, bring with thee, and the books, but especially the parchments. Of course, that's the Word of God. I want you to bring the Word of God when you come. I want to talk to you a little bit tonight about this subject, the philosophy of a crowded church. And you may be seated tonight, and uh, I'll, I'll try to jump right into this tonight. We'll have a prayer, and I'll try to jump right into this, and I hope it'll make sense tonight. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for the opportunity to be back at Calvary Baptist Church tonight. Lord, I sure love this place. And I think that I'm surrounded by a lot of folk who do. God, we love this place. And we love the house of God. More than that, I pray that you help us to, to love the God of the house. And Father, I pray that you would keep this house of God going strong moving forward. Lord, there is not a doubt that the enemy is going to fight. But God, we're so thankful and reminded tonight that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. God, we're reminded that we're not just conquerors. We're more than conquerors. Lord, our Bible challenges us. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And so, Lord, we're not to just be on the defense. Lord, we're to be very much on the offense. 
And God, I pray that you continue to bless this church tonight. Thank you for the great music, the singing that we've enjoyed. And now, Lord, as we take just a few moments and gather around our Bibles, I pray that, Lord, you would bless the preaching and the teaching of your precious book tonight. And I pray that, that through all that's done, I pray that Christ, Lord, that wonderful Lord that Brother Mike just sang about, God, I pray that he would receive honor and praise and glory from all that's done. Fill us with the power of the Holy Spirit. God, the best we know how, we plead the precious blood of Jesus, that redeeming blood, that blood that was, Lord, applied to the mercy seat. God, we plead that blood over this service and over this people and even over this preacher tonight. And God, I pray that you would accomplish your perfect will we love you and praise you, and we ask these things in Jesus' precious name and for his sake and all God's people said, amen. When we read through 2 Timothy chapter 4, we notice several subjects that are addressed within the fourth chapter of Paul's letter to Timothy, and I'll just hit a two, and then we're going to camp out on the third one tonight. First of all, we see a challenge to preach the word. Notice, if you will, verse number one and Paul says to this younger man in the faith, I charge thee, Timothy, so who's talking to, I charge thee, therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. He says to Timothy here, Timothy, preach the word, preach the word, and be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Timothy's getting ready to go down, uh, or maybe even already has went down to the metropolitan city of Ephesus, large place, 22,000 seat Colosseum there. And that's where Timothy's going to be pastoring. That's where he's going to be the under shepherd. And this old grizzled veteran in the faith writes to this younger man and he says, Timothy, when you get down there, make sure that you preach the word. Make sure that you're uh, instant in season, out of season. And then he goes on to tell Timothy, Timothy, reprove and rebuke and exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Now, why would Paul take uh, the opportunity to challenge Timothy uh, concerning this subject? And I believe it's because, uh, as he reminds Timothy, there's going to come a time when people will no longer tolerate the truth. And we've talked about that some tonight. Uh, in fact, notice what he says in verse number three, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heat to themselves teachers having itching ears. Now we addressed that Sunday and I won't, I won't go back over that tonight, but, but I would say this tonight, Calvary Baptist Church, it's why we need to pray for our preachers. It's why we need to pray for our preachers and not just your preacher, but our preachers. We need to pray for our preachers across the nation and our uh, those preachers that are still standing for the faith. Because I'm going to be honest with you. The temptation is to hold back concerning the truth. To preach what's popular and to preach what's comfortable. That old, old veteran by the name of Vance Havner. I love, I love Brother Havner. I love reading his books. Vance Havner said, if you want to be popular, preach happiness. If you want to be unpopular, preach holiness. And boy, that's true, isn't it? And Dr. Havner said, as a preacher of the gospel, it's my job to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. And uh, amen, you gotta appreciate those old time preacher brethren. And so we see a challenge to preach the word. But number two, 
We see a perfected finish. I love this. Look at verse number six. The apostle Paul says, for I am now, which implies that he hadn't always been. But Paul said, for I am now. I have that underlined. For I am now ready to be offered. And the time of my departure is, and I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, not to me only, but at all of them also that love his appearing. I'll just hit this and go to the next point, but this is definitely worth uh, mentioning. Paul finished, Paul finished doing the perfected will of God. Paul finished well. Well, I don't know about y'all, but I don't want to just start well. I want to finish well. I don't want to just... Uh, you know, I, I'm thankful for the 30 years that I've had at Calvary Baptist Church. I am privileged. I'm telling you, you're looking at a blessed man. I am a privileged uh, minister of the gospel. I'm a, a, a privileged pastor to pastor some of the greatest people in, in the entire world. And God has been so good to me. But I'm going to be honest with you. I don't want to just have 30 years of serving God. I want to finish well. I want to finish in the perfected will of God. I read an interesting story uh, lately, in fact, I saw it. I saw it. The headline on the news, and so I started reading up on it. In fact, I went back and I watched the race myself. Recently, at the Kentucky Derby, Medina Spirit. Some of you may have watched it, but Medina Spirit won the race. Beautiful horse, man. Uh, it's a good race. You ought to watch it. I mean, it's 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 close, and uh, and it's enjoyable to watch. Medina Spirit won the Kentucky Derby. But just a little bit after that, he was disqualified because they found drugs in her system. Now, she was a, a beautiful animal. She started the race well. She finished the, way, the race well. <clears throat> but because of those uh, problems, she was disqualified from the race. Well, I don't know about y'all, but I don't want to be disqualified from the race. Just a few weeks ago, PGA champion Matthew Wolf was privileged to play the Masters. That's a very special event, and he was privileged to play the Masters and started well. But later he was disqualified because he signed an incorrect scorecard. He put a lower score than he actually had, and it caught up with him, and, and, uh, and they disqualified him. Now, he started the tournament, but it didn't finish well. And the thing I love about this passage tonight is that the Apostle Paul uh, finished doing the will of God. He was ready to meet the Lord. And I would just ask us tonight that, that, that uh, if, you've, if you met the Lord tonight, and that's been echoed several, several times throughout the service tonight, that the coming of the Lord is nigh, that our redemption is close at hand. And if you were to meet the Lord tonight, would you... Would you be able to, like the Apostle Paul, to be able to say, I finished well. I didn't just start well, but I finished well. I finished strong. Man, I want to be found faithful when Christ returns. And so we see here a challenge to preach the word. And we see here a perfected finish. But number three, we see, and this is where I want to stay just for a few moments tonight. We see a personal request. A personal request. We see that Paul is imploring Timothy to come and to come soon. We also read tonight that when he challenges Timothy, he says to Timothy, Timothy, I want you to bring others with you. Now there's a reason. At this place in Paul's ministry, the crowd 
was very, very small. In fact, I, I, I wrote this down in big, bold letters in my outline, and I highlighted it in red. I think one of the things that Paul's testimony teaches us is this, that a great crowd is not always the litmus test for the blessing of God. Just because you see a great crowd doesn't mean necessarily that the blessings of God are there. You see, Paul, at this point which we read tonight, Paul had a very small crowd around him when his death came. In fact, I want us to look back at that. 2 Timothy chapter number four and look at verse number nine. <coughs> the apostle Paul says, do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. Verse 10, very sad verse. He says, for Demoth hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica, Crescens to Galatia, Titus into Dalmatia, and then he says in verse number 11, only Luke is with me. Only Luke is with me. He says to Timothy, take Mark and bring him with thee for his profitable to me for the ministry. By the way, historians tell us that we're really not sure that Timothy ever made it. He said, Timothy, come, and when you come, bring Mark. And when you come, he said, I want you to bring the cloak, and I want you to bring the books, and I want you to bring the parchments. And he said, Timothy, I want you to come before a winner. But we're really not sure that Timothy ever made it before Paul's martyrdom. Same chapter, look at verse 16. Paul says, at my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray, God, that it may not be laid to their charge. 2 Timothy chapter number one, go back a page or two. 2 Timothy <coughs> chapter number one, and look at verse number 15. And Paul says in verse number 15, this thou knowest that all they which are in Asia be turned away from me, of whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes. So my, again, I'm just trying to make a little, a little bit of a point here. At this time in Paul's life, his supporting cast it's very small. And so a large crowd is not always the true test of the blessings of the Lord. Now I'm just cutting things out tonight of the outline. I can do that. I can knock out a few cars and make this a little shorter tonight. But I want to give you three thoughts tonight quickly about this thing of a crowd from a biblical standpoint. So not just something that I want to give you tonight, but I want to give you some things concerning a crowd from a biblical standpoint. How about this? <clears throat> Number one is this. We have to be careful that a crowd doesn't become our motivation. A crowd should not become <clears throat> our motivation. Now you say, Pastor, uh, the, more, the, the, the larger crowd, the more people are going to have to preach. You're right about that. And I'll get back to that here in just a moment. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 says it like this. Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, <clears throat> do all to the glory of God. Did you know that our goal for everything we do ought to be to glorify the Lord? Amen. Isaiah 43, 7, the Bible says, even everyone that is called by my name, for I have created him for my glory. I have formed him, yea, I have made him. Now again, let me just help us tonight with a thought. If a crowd, if a crowd is your absolute priority, did you know that you're liable to do anything to build that crowd? 
I mean, if that's your number one as a church, if that's your, or, or a preacher, if that's your number one priority is to have a crowd, then that means that you're liable to do anything you've got to do to get that crowd to come. Including what our Bible shows us here, including the teaching of fables. Did you see that? That's why I didn't have you turn away because I want you to see this. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 3, Paul says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they eat to themselves teachers, having itching ears, verse 4, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto what? They shall be turned unto fables. Interesting verse and interesting choice of words that the Spirit of God chose here for 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number, verse number 4. He says that they have turned to fables. Now, the word fables there does not mean false doctrine. It suggests, when it says fables, it suggests something that is fanciful. I'm just giving this to you what it means. It means teaching that is fanciful and without seriousness. Did you know much of the preaching that's going on in our day and time and going on in our churches is exactly that. It is fanciful and without seriousness. Most, or maybe I shouldn't say most, but at least a lot. A lot of the preaching is nothing more than motivational teaching and self-help philosophy. We've moved away from biblical preaching. I'm talking about good churches. Little by little by little, we are migrating away from preaching and we are substituting other things for the preaching of the word of God. And, and, and I know it's not popular, but can I just say this Calvary Baptist Church, may we be a preaching church. And may we be a church that, that uh, prioritizes the preaching of the word of God. I'm telling you, and you, you know what I'm telling you is the truth. And some of you have come from bad church experiences. And so you probably know more about this than I do. But it is, it really, it's crazy. It's crazy what's going on in the average church in America today. We have taken preaching out. In some, some cases, we've taken the pulpit completely out. And we are substituting this and we're substituting that. And this is the truth if I'm telling it. Did you know that churches, instead of preaching now, churches are letting Hollywood movies teach their congregations. Now, church, I'm going to tell you something. I love Andy Griffith. Are y'all with me tonight? I, I, I have to have a Barney fix almost every single day. I mean, I love Andy Griffith. But I'm, I'm not going to bring you here on Sunday morning and let you watch an Andy Griffith episode and then I'm gonna to try to make a few remarks about that Andy Griffith episode. You can watch Andy Griffith at the house, but when you come to the house of God, you need preaching. And, and yet that's what's going on. You say, pastor, you're making this stuff. I'm, I promise you I'm not making this stuff up. In fact, in fact, uh, out where Brother Zach uh, pastors and uh, back year, four, four or five years ago, when they first went out there, uh, they decided they would visit the main church in the city there where Brother Zach pastors. It's the largest church, I guess, in the whole city. 
And so they decided to, to visit the church. And I'm not trying to be critical tonight. I'm not trying to be controversial. But I'm just telling you what's going on in churches across America. And uh, as they walked into the church that day, they had people in the foyer that had bags of popcorn and popcorn poppers. And they're serving bags of popcorn. Look like come out of a theater. Uh, and the folks are taking the popcorn and the pop and the soda and all that into the auditorium. And, uh, and that day, for their, uh, uh, they, they had some music, if you want to call it that. And then that day for their preaching, they showed excerpts from a movie called The Notebook. You say, preacher, I like the movie. Well, I'm just telling you this. It has no place in the house of God. And so they showed this Hollywood movie in the church and then the pastor got up and made some closing remarks about the movie. We're using, for preaching time, we're using book reviews and interviews. Many churches are focusing on music instead of the word. And I'm gonna tell you something. I love the music at Calvary Baptist Church. I'm telling you, I love the music and I'm thankful for our singers and I'm thankful for our musicians. But you know what I'm telling you is the truth tonight. Most churches are having 90 minutes of music and 10 minutes of preaching. And it's because we have let a crowd become our motivation. So we're sacrificing the word and we're sacrificing doctrine and we're sacrificing standards and we're sacrificing holiness and we're sacrificing the power of God as long as all the chairs are full and we have the largest crowd. And uh, now again, I'm just saying this, Calvary Baptist Church, we have to be careful that a crowd does not become our motivation. But hang with me because there's another one here. Number two, we have to be careful that a crowd doesn't become our hesitation. Did you know the early church was spirit-filled and it was exploding with growth? In fact, why don't you turn over there with me tonight real quickly. Acts chapter two, verse number 41. Acts chapter two, verse number 41. We, we see the scripture sort of spells this out. Man, the early church was just exploding with growth. Acts 2.41, the Bible says, then they that gladly received his word were baptized. Notice this. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Now you say, preacher, why are you, even, why are you even saying that? Because God's doing something amazing at Calvary. And I don't think God's done. And, uh, and so I want to talk to you a little bit about, uh, about this thing of a crowd. You know, every once in a while, especially on Sunday morning, and uh, boy, sometimes our crowd is getting large and people are coming in, uh, you know, maybe a little upset and, 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 uh, and I'm not, yeah, I don't pick on anybody tonight or anything like that, but uh, folks are coming in and boy, it's getting crowded and sometimes uh, chairs are, even in the new building, chairs are hard to find. I want you to understand that in the early church, the church was growing. Acts 2, verse 47, look there. The Bible says, praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. People say, preacher, we got so many families coming in, we can't keep their names. We can't keep up with their names. Don't you reckon that as the Lord was adding to this church every single day, it was pretty hard to keep up with people's names? Turn over a page and look at Acts chapter 5, verse number, 40, uh, verse number 14. 
Acts chapter 5, verse number 14. The Bible says, and believers were the more added to the Lord. Notice the next word, multitudes, both of men and women. Turn over one page, Acts chapter 6, verse number 1. The Bible says, and in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews. Uh, Same chapter, verse number 7. Acts 6, verse 7, the Bible says, and the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. Now, again, I have to be very careful, and I have to tread very lightly here, uh, but, uh, but, but the Lord laid this message on my heart, so I'm just going to give it to you uh, like God said to give it to you. Every once in a while, I'll hear somebody say something like this. Well, we're, we're going to start looking for another church. And I say, why? And they'll say something like this, because the church is growing way too much. Now, listen to me. If you allow a crowd to be your motivation it's sin. But if you allow a crowd to be your hesitation, it's sin. It's the same thing. If, if, if a crowd is your main priority in life and you're willing to do anything to get it, my dear friend, that's wrong in the sight of God. But if God starts blessing and God starts pouring his blessing out upon the church and the church starts growing and people are getting saved and folks are getting baptized and you're showing up on Sunday morning and it's hard to find a seat, listen, if you allow that crowd to be your hesitation, you are equally as wrong as the person who allows it to be their motivation. May I say tonight, Calvary, don't fight against what God is doing because you're not fond of a crowd. And don't miss out on what God is doing because you don't like a crowd. Listen, if I could just give you a little loving personal advice tonight, it would be this. Get here early. Get here early. Now, you come when you can, but I'm just saying that if you get here at at two minutes till, uh, there's a good chance you're going to have to look for a seat. I mean, the ushers are going to probably going to have to find you uh, a place. But get here early and then, then be so excited about what God is doing at your church that you're willing to give up the seat that you got here early to get. Now, again, did you know that where people are being fed and fed well, there's going to be a crowd. Now, When I say fed, I'm talking about fed with this book. I'm talking about fed with encouraging fellowship. I'm talking about fed with incredible music. I'm talking about fed with sound teaching. Now, listen, church, I'm I'm just, I'm telling us tonight that when you, when, when you do your best and seek God's face and pray and preach and work and, and put forth energy and effort, and by the way, what is happening at Calvary Baptist Church is not an accident. Now, can we take glory for it? No, we can't take glory for it. But I do believe this. I believe that God has, has saw that there is a group of people at the Calvary Baptist Church in Union Grove that have a heart for the things of God and a passion for the things of God, and they want to see something happen. And, and so because of that, they're here, they're faithful, they're early, they're studying, they're praying, they're working, they're striving, they're ministering. And because of that, God looks down and God says, you know what? I think I can bless that church down there. 
Did you know that people are gonna do business where there is good customer service? Folks, it's just a fact. Where people are made to feel welcome, they're gonna come. It's why Chick-fil-A is still one of the top fast food chain restaurants in America. Even after all the things that have been thrown at it and criticized and businesses have launched attacks against it, and yet when you go by there, the line is all the way around the building. It's double lines. They have to put people outside and uh, and uh, I mean, they, they can't take care of their crowd. And when you go in there and you say, thank you. And they say, my pleasure. And, uh, and uh, they'll come by and say, may I refresh your beverage? And, uh, and it's, well, sure, I, I'm drinking Diet Coke. And thank you, my pleasure. And, uh, uh, and welcome to Chick-fil-A. And thank you for coming. And uh, it's why people are going there. Why? Because of this thing of customer service. Now, uh, we don't look at it like this, but church is a business. The Bible's very clear about that. This is the business of God. And by the way, I believe it's the most important business in the whole world. I believe it's more important than, uh, than, uh, than uh, you know, Microsoft. I believe it's more important than, than Apple. I believe it's more important than Delta. I believe it's more important than American Airlines. I believe this is the most important business in the whole world. And by the way, may our customer service at Calvary Baptist Church excel anything close by. You say, preacher, are you competing? Yes. Let me tell you who I'm competing against. I'm competing against me. You say, what are the churches doing? I don't know. But I know what I want this church to do. I'm, I tell you how I'm competing. I'm competing against last Sunday. We did a fair job last Sunday. We're going to do better this Sunday. We did a pretty good job welcoming folks and shaking hands and, and accommodating visitors and guests and welcoming folks in and praise God for that. But by the grace of God, we're gonna do better this coming Sunday and then we're gonna do better than that the next Sunday and we're gonna do better than that the next Sunday. We're not backing up ever forward, never backward. Hey, I'm telling you, I believe God's got big plans for the Calvary Baptist Church and, and just in case you're here tonight and you say, preacher, I don't know if I wanna be a part of a growing church. I, I wanna just tell you, just get in here and hang on tight and and grow some deep roots. And man, let's see God do the supernatural at the Calvary Baptist Church of Union Grove. And so be careful that a crowd doesn't become your motivation. Be careful that a crowd doesn't become your hesitation. But there's a last one. Number three, we have to be careful concerning the crowd that we do some investigation. Now, you say, Pastor, what do you mean? Well, as we read through 2 Timothy chapter 4, if you want to turn back over there real quickly, 2 Timothy chapter 4, we notice what happened. We notice what happened to the crowd in Paul's ministry. So this is just really interesting, and it's, uh, it's enlightening. So someone says, Preacher, why was Paul alone? Why was he all by himself? Why was his crowd small? Well, there's several Different reasons. I'm going to put some of them on your screen. How about this? Number one, some were smitten with sickness. Look in your Bible, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 20. And Paul says, Erastus abode at Corinth, but he said, but Trophimus, have I left at my lead him sick? Man, he was sick. He's a good brother. 
faithful, serving God, love the Lord. But Paul is saying this, Trophimus, he couldn't make the trip. Trophimus couldn't come. And so he said, I had to leave Trophimus at my leadum. Now, let me tell you what that means. That means that some of those who serve with Paul had a legitimate excuse. Some are what we would call providentially hindered. So let me just say this to, to, to us tonight. Uh, Christian, listen, make sure that if you miss, make sure you have a valid excuse. Make sure it's not a flimsy one. Trophimus had a, he had a valid excuse. The man's sick. Evidently, he's pretty sick or maybe very sick, maybe at the point of death. Uh, so sick that Paul makes mention of it. And so make sure that if you miss, well, make sure you're providentially hindered. Make sure you don't miss, you know, because, you know, your favorite TV show's coming on. Or the golf matches getting ready to air. Or the NASCAR race is getting ready to come on. Or, uh, you know, or, or, or whatever the case may be. Make sure that if you miss a service that, man, it is a valid reason. It's a, you, you're just providentially hindered. You could, not, you could not be here. Some were smitten with sickness. How about this? Number two, some were swayed by the world. Look at verse number 10. Paul says, for Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world and is departed unto Thessalonica. Calvary, let me help us tonight. Be careful not to allow stuff and things to take a higher priority than serving Jesus. Well, you know, the older you get, the more expensive toys get. It's true, isn't it? Boy, in fact, when you get, when you get old enough, some of those toys you go in debt for. You shouldn't, but you do. And so make sure that you don't place a higher priority on stuff than you do serving Christ. Can I just remind you in Ecclesiastes chapter two, we'll not go there tonight, but Ecclesiastes chapter two, verses three through 11, Solomon said, I had it all. I had, I had it all, man. I had pools, servants. I had woods. I had palaces. I had men servants and maid servants and, and uh, I had cooks and bakers and, and uh, man, horses and stables and you name it. Uh, Solomon said, I had it all, man. He said, I had it all. And then Solomon turned around and he looked at it all. You know what he said? It's vanity and vexation of spirit. You know what he said? It's empty. 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 Boy, our world, our, so many people are empty. Got some of the nicest houses, drive some of the most fancy cars, I mean, beautiful uh, uh, suits of clothes and, and all these things and wonderful homes that they live in, but just as empty as the day is long. Why? Because I'll tell you where joy comes from. Joy comes from serving Jesus. And so we see that some were swayed by the, by the world. We're done tonight. But then we also notice here, some were serving in other ministries. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 11. Uh, uh, Paul says in verse number 11, only, only Luke is with me. And then he said this, take Mark and bring him with thee, for he's profitable to me for the ministry. Same chapter, verse number 12. Paul says, and Tychicus have I, have I sent to Ephesus. Look at verse number 19. He says, salute Prisca and Aquila and the household of Nisiphorus, verse 20. He says, Erastus abode at Corinth. 
But Trophimus have I left at Miletimusik. And, uh, and you don't have to go there, but in Philippians chapter 2, verse 28, the apostle Paul was talking about a man by the name of Epaphroditus. And Paul says, I sent him, therefore, the more carefully that when you see him again, you may rejoice. In Titus chapter 1, verse number 5, speaking of Titus, Paul said this, for this cause left I thee, Titus, I left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting and ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee. Now, we're done tonight, but here's my point. Paul's goal was not to keep everyone he won. You know what you find out about the Apostle Paul when you read your Bible? You'll find out that Paul was not building his own kingdom. Paul was building the Lord's. And so that meant this, from time to time, people, as painful as it is, people are gonna be sent out from this ministry to serve God. And usually, the people that are sent out, you know who they are? <laughs> They're the most talented and the most gifted and they preach the best and sing the best and organize the best and they're just gifted people and they play the piano and they play keyboards and guitars and all these things. And then all of a sudden, God calls them out to start a work or to plant a church or whatever the case may be. Now, for those of you who potentially may, one of these days, God may call you out. I wanna to talk to you just for a moment. To those who may consider going out from us in the future, number one, you need to know, you need to know, and that's a key word, K-N-O-W, you need to know it is the will of God before you leave where God's planted you. Know it. You say, preacher, I really think. Okay, stop then. Just stop. You say, pastor, I think God is calling me away. All right, let me ask you this. Uh, run from it. Run from it. And if God will leave you alone, God's not called you. But if God just stays on you and stays on you and stays on you, but you need to know, you need to know that, that it is the will of God before you leave. Uh, listen, we've had some great blessings here at Calvary Baptist Church, but I'll be honest, we've had some disasters. And I think in a few situations, it would have been much better if folks would have just bloomed where they were planted. And so is God occasionally gonna call people away? He is. But you better know. You better know it's the will of God. And can I just give you a personal testimony, at least for me? You know what? Ministry was so important that when we, and we were so plugged into our, our home church, man, you follow Baptist Church, we'd been going there for, I guess, pretty near 20 years. And we loved those people like our family. And they loved us, and we loved Pastor Johnson. There's not a greater man in the world. He's, he's in heaven now. And, and, uh, and listen, I'm telling you, church, this is, a, this is the truth. The Sunday that we left, it was nothing but blubbering and crying and snot slinging. You never seen anything like it. I'm, I'm telling you the truth. I mean, we cried like a bunch of babies. And they did too. Came around the altar and hugged our neck. And man, we cried uh, and cried and cried. But ministry was so important when I departed from our home church, I knew something. I knew that I needed to get some education before going solo. And so my wife and I, we packed up a Hertz Penske truck, had our little dream, little dream home, and 
Man, we packed up everything we had in a Hertzpinski truck and took off to Bible college. Now, I'm telling you something. Bible college is not for everybody. But I want you to listen to what I'm about to tell you. But there's a lot of folks that are trying to receive the position while bypassing the preparation. Everybody listening to me tonight? If you're going to go out from this church and serve in another ministry, you better know it. And if God calls you to do it, let me tell you what you better do. You better prepare for the bigness of the ministry. Brother Mike Hersey sitting right down here toward the front. Brother Mike used to be a pilot. He flew little planes, flew big planes, helicopters. Brother Mike, <clears throat> Brother Mike never went down to the airport one day and just slid into the cockpit and said, you know what? I'm going to fly this bad boy around the nation today. Didn't happen. You know what it took? It took training. Man, it took education. He had to learn, you know, all the different things that a, that a pilot has to learn. I thought about Brother Rodney sitting down here on the front row. Brother Rodney's a, a paramedic, and, and Brother Rodney didn't just call in an ambulance one day and say, I'm going to be a paramedic. I'm going I'm to go give somebody mouth-to-mouth, you know, or, uh, or uh, uh, you know, shock their heart back into rhythm again. No, Brother Rodney had to, he had to go train, and he had to receive some education. I, I thought about those ladies in our church tonight that are nurses, and, uh, and, and they would tell you this, that their training was grueling. But you, but you know why they did it? Because in their field, it is a necessity. And we say amen to that, but yet a lot of times we approach the ministry like it's no big deal. And it is a big deal. In fact, it's the biggest deal in the world. And so if God calls some of you young men out of this ministry one of, the, one of these days or some of you young lady, God moves you away from Calvary Baptist Church, number one, you need to know that it's the will of God, but then you need to prepare for the bigness of the ministry. A crowd, a crowd. Several years ago, my wife and I went on vacation and I wanted it to be a very, very special Special event. It was our anniversary. I'm pretty sure it was our anniversary. And so I wanted it to be a very special, special anniversary trip. We had a restaurant that we were wanting to go to. I had checked it out. It had a raving reviews. It's on the top. It's on the top of a building. And so I called down. We were getting ready to go down, you know, in a few weeks. I called down. I said, I want to make reservations for such and such night. And the person on the other end of the phone said, sir, we don't have any reservations for that night. I said, okay. Well, how about Thursday? Sir, we don't have any reservations for Thursday. Well, let's just go with Friday. Mr. Pope, we don't have any reservations for the next six months. You don't have one reservation. She said, sir, we don't have one open reservation for the next six months. You know what she said? She said, here's what I suggest. She said, every once in a while we have a cancellation. She said, you call back every day and ask if they have a cancellation. You know what I did? I called back every single day. In fact, I called several times a day. And I would call and I said, yes, I was wondering about no, sir, we don't have any reservations. I'd call back the next day and say, do you have any open reservations? And I called back and called back and called back, called back, called back, called back, called back. And one day I called back. 
And they said, Mr. Pope, it just so happens we had a cancellation. And it was right when I wanted it, 8 o'clock at night when the sun was setting. And I said, I want it. I'll take it. You know what? We went that night, and you can ask my wife. It was a crowd. There was a crowd. In fact, they had their own personal elevator that took you up to this uh, restaurant. And, uh, and, and it listen, it was troublesome. It took us a long time to get in. There was a big crowd. But it was all worth the wait, wasn't it? Ask her. It was worth the wait. People say, I'm not going to that church. Too big a crowd. And I'm telling us, church, if something's going on, there's going to be a crowd. Don't you let a crowd be your motivation, but don't you dare ever let a crowd be your hesitation. If God fills this building up, God will give us another building. I'm not worried about that. I don't want to build tomorrow, I'll be honest with you. But, but, but here's the thing. God is well able. God is well able to meet our needs. And I am thankful that God is working and God is building his church at the Calvary Baptist Church in Union Grove. Amen. 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 Let's bow our heads tonight. Father, thank you for this time we've had together tonight. Lord, I hope this has made sense. Father, we're thankful for what you're doing. God, thank you that the church is growing. Thank you that folks are being saved. Lord, thank you that converts are being baptized. Thank you that new families are coming in. Lord, thank you that even in this new building, Lord, from time to time, things are getting a little crowded. God, for that, we're thankful. God, we thank you for your blessings. God, I pray that you'll help us at Calvary Baptist Church to be faithful to preach the word. Now, God, if that brings a crowd, praise the Lord. But if not, we're still gonna preach the word. May a crowd never be our absolute motivation. But I pray at the same time, Heavenly Father, that we never let a crowd be our hesitation. God, help us to be faithful. And Lord, help us to bloom where you've planted us, right here at the Calvary Baptist Church in Union Grove, North Carolina. Father, I pray that you'll continue to breathe on us here. Lord, accept the Lord build the house. They labor in vain that build it. Heavenly Father, we need you. We need you worse today than we've ever needed you in our life. I pray that you'll give us wisdom and show us how to go forward. God, show us how to take every step right. And God, I pray that this, I pray that you would bless us with great longevity, supernatural longevity. And I pray that when the trumpet sounds and Jesus returns for his church, I pray that the Calvary Baptist Church of Union Grove will finish well. I pray that we'll be found faithful. God, I pray that'll happen. Lord, I pray that you'll have your way in this invitation tonight. Lord, maybe you've spoken to a heart. It could be that you've spoken to a heart about something that I didn't even preach about tonight. And tonight, they need to slip down to this old-fashioned altar. Father, maybe there's someone here tonight with a very heavy, heavy burden. And Lord, tonight, they need to leave that burden on this altar. God, it could be that there's someone here tonight that's born again, but they've strayed and they've wandered away. And tonight they need to rededicate their life to Jesus Christ. God, it may be there's someone here that's been saved, but they've not been baptized and they need to make themselves a candidate for baptism. Lord, maybe there's a family or maybe someone here tonight 
and they're not the member of a good Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church. And tonight they need to come and join with this body. Father, have your way in this invitation. Speak to hearts, I pray, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed. Let's all stand tonight, if you would, church. And we're going to pause just for a few moments. I'm going to make my way to the main floor. And if we can help you or pray with you uh, in any way, listen, you come while we wait, while we wait, you come tonight.